listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria Vagruda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 327. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 431 to 439. Chapter 4 The Most Blessed Mary destroys the Temple of Diana in Ephesus. Her angels bring her to the Empyrean heavens, where the Lord prepares her for the battle and victory over the infernal dragon. This conflict begins with temptations to pride. 431. Most celebrated is the history of the city of Ephesus, situated on the western confines of Asia. For many renowned events of past ages made that city famous and illustrious throughout the globe. But its greatest privilege and excellence consists in having entertained and harbored within its walls the Supreme Queen of Heaven and Earth for the space of some months, the number of which I will state later on. This privilege was the most fortunate one of Ephesus, since the other things which are mentioned for its renown made it truly unhappy and infamous, because through them the princes of darkness had permanently set up his throne in that city. But as our great lady and mother of grace found herself hospitably entertained, and thus considered herself under obligation to its inhabitants, who received her liberally and offered her gifts, it naturally followed that she, in accordances with her most perfectly ordered and burning charity, deeming herself, brought nearer to thee her benefactors, should repay their hospitality with greater blessings. For she was liberal to all, even strangers, she would certainly be much more free with her gifts and favors to the inhabitants of Ephesus. Her own gratitude moved her to this, since she considered herself indebted to the whole commonwealth. She offered up for it special prayers, asking her divine son to pour over its inhabitants his blessings and a kind father to illumine and bring it to the knowledge of the true faith. 432. The lady received answer as the mistress and the queen of the whole world. She was free to do as she pleased. That, however, she should take notice of the obstacles which the city placed in the way of the divine clemency by its ancient and still existing abominations, 
that its inhabitants had thereby locked the gates of mercy and merited the rigors of justice, which would have already been executed upon them if the Lord had not ordained her to live among them just at that time, when their wickedness had reached the highest point and called for the loudest punishment. Together with this answer, the Most Blessed Mother perceived that the divine justice, as it were, asked her permission and consent to the destruction of that idolatrous people of Ephesus and its neighborhood. At this answer and what it implied, the kind heart of the sweetest mother was much afflicted, but her immense charity was not intimidated, and multiplying her prayers, she answered the Lord. 433. Most high, just, and merciful king, I know well that the rigor of thy justice will be executed if thy mercy is excluded, but for thy mercy any motive found by the wisdom is sufficient, although small may be the inducement presented on the part of sinners. Consider, therefore, O Lord, how this city has afforded me a dwelling according to thy will, and how its inhabitants have helped me and offered me and thy servant John their goods. Temper thy rigor, my God, and let it be exercised on me, for I am willing to suffer for the salvation of these unfortunates. Thou, O all-powerful, whose infinite goodness and mercy forever conquers in good or evil, canst take away the obstacle which prevents their profiting of thy blessings. Let not my eyes behold the destruction of so many souls, the works of thy hands purchased by thy blood. The Lord replied, My mother, I desire that thou see for thyself the cause of my just indignation, and how much these men, for whom thou pleadest, have merited it. Attend, and thou shalt see. And immediately, by a most clear vision, she saw what follows. 434. She perceived that many centuries before the incarnation of the Word and her original womb, among the many counsels held by Lucifer for the destruction of men, one was held in which she thus spoke to his demons. From the delights of my former state in heaven, from the prophecies made by God to man, and from the favor shown to many of his friends, I conjecture how much God shall be beholden to me and women for abstaining from certain vices, which I desire to maintain upon the world. These vices are especially those connected with the delights of the flesh and with the pleasures of possession or avarice. In these, he seeks to induce them to renounce even what is allowed. In order that they may be so induced, he shall furnish them with many helps, so that they may be chaste and poor of their own accord, and subject their free will to that of others. If, through these virtues, they overcome us, they will merit great reward before God, as I have spied out in some who were chaste, poor, and obedient. My plans will be seriously frustrated if we do not take measures to counteract this damage and seek to compensate for it in all the ways open to our astuteness. I take into consideration also that if the divine word is to assume flesh, as I have been given to understand, he will be very chaste and pure, and that he will teach chastity to others, not only men but women, who, though they are weaker, yet usually are more tenacious. If they whom I overcame in the first woman shall thus vanquish me, it will be so much the more tormenting to me. Besides all this, the scriptures of the ancients speak much of the favors which men shall enjoy through the incarnate word. For the human nature of the Son of God is to enrich and raise up the earth-born men by his power. 4.35 in order to oppose all this, Lucifer continued, I desire your counsel and your diligent help, and we must begin even now to hinder men from attaining such great benefits. 
Thus, the hateful plotting of hell against evangelical perfection was far in advance of the profession in the religious orders. This matter was thoroughly considered by the demons, and the result of their deliberations was that a great many demons should be appointed as heads of hellish legions, who were to tempt those desirous of living a life of chastity, poverty, and obedience. In derision of chastity, especially they were to institute a sort of false and apparent state of virginity, in which counterfeit and hypocritical virgins were to consecrate themselves to Lucifer and all the demons. The enemies hoped thereby to gain over these persons to themselves not only for their own triumph, but also to cast discredit upon the chaste life of religious orders, which they presumed would be instituted by the incarnate word and his mother in the world, in order that this false religion might be propagated so much the better in the world, they resolved to found it upon worldly abundance, and on whatever is most pleasing to nature, as in reality it was. For in secret those interested agreed to live licentiously under the name of chastity, in honor of false gods. 436. But immediately the question arose whether this religion was to be for men or for women. Some of the demons wanted it to be for men only, in order that, through their greater constancy, those religious orders might be more permanent. Others, again, thought that men are not so easily deceived as women, since they reason more deeply and could more easily detect error, while there was not so much of this risk in women who were of weak judgment, ready to believe earnestly in what they like, and have once settled upon it, inclined to persevere in their error. This argument prevailed and was approved by Lucifer, although he did not entirely exclude men, for he judged that some would be found who would embrace the fallacy on account of the influence they would thereby gain over others. This could be expected, especially if the demons would help along by nourishing their fear of losing the estimation of their fellow men, and by astutely making use of public opinion to keep alive the fallacies in those who would engage in this service. 437. Following up their infernal schemes, the demons set about instituting a counterfeit and false religious order or congregation of virgins. For Lucifer said to the other demons, Although it would be a great pleasure to me to have real virgins consecrated and dedicated to my worship and adoration in the same way as God wishes them for himself, Yet chastity and purity of the body so offends me that I cannot endure this virtue, even if practiced entirely in honor of my greatness. Therefore, we must see to it that these virgins be the object of our basest attempts. If any of them should remain chaste in body, we shall fill her with bad thoughts and desires, so that in reality none of them will be chaste, though they may strive to contain themselves out of vain pride. And as they are to be impure in their thoughts, we will seek to maintain them in vainglorious conceit of their virginity. 4.38 In order to start these false religious orders, the demons scoured through the whole earth, and it seemed to them that among all the nations certain women called Amazons were best suited for the execution of their devilish plans. These Amazons had come from Scythia to Asia Minor, where they now lived. They were warlike, covering up their arrogance and pride, the weakness of their sex. By force of arms, they had possessed themselves of extended provinces and had constituted Ephesus as the center of their power. 
For a long time they governed themselves, disdaining subjection to men and life in their company. For such a life they in their presumptuous pride called slavery or servitude. Since much is said of them in histories, though with many contradictions, I will not dilate upon this matter. For my purpose, it is sufficient to state that since these Amazons were proud, vainglorious, and averse to men, Lucifer found them predisposed toward his counterfeit virginity. He filled them with vain hopes of gaining great veneration and renown in the world by being known as pledged to virginity, and stirred them with the desire of becoming famous and admired of men, and perhaps of one of them reaching the position and worship of a goddess. In their unbridled desire of this worldly honor, they gathered around them many Amazons, both true and counterfeit virgins, and instituted their spurious congregation of virgins at Ephesus, the place of their origin. 439. In a short time, these more than foolish virgins grew very numerous, and through the instigations of the demons were much admired and applauded by the world. Among them, one signalized herself and became very celebrated for her beauty, nobility, high intellect, chastity, and other allurements. She was called Diana, and the fame and admiration of her became widespread. The veneration of her and the multitude of her companions were the occasion of the building of the renowned Temple of Ephesus, which the world estimated as one of its marvels and which took many years to construct. As Diana gradually gained the worship and title of goddess among the blind multitude, this rich and sumptuous temple was finally dedicated to her and was called the Temple of Diana. In imitation of it, and under the same title, many others were built in other projects of the world. In order to spread the renown of this counterfeit virgin during her lifetime in Ephesus, the demon communicated with her and filled her with diabolical illusions. Many times he surrounded her with a false splendor and manifested to her secrets to be promulgated. He taught her also some ceremonies and forms of worship, similar to those of the people of God, by which she and the people might worship the devil. The rest of the virgins venerated her as a goddess, which was also done by the other heathens, who were as prodigal as they were blind in attributing divinity to all that seemed to them wonderful. This concludes our reading today for day number 327. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 431 to 439. Quite the interesting reading today as we hear, first of all, about that city of Ephesus, and should be familiar to us because St. Paul writes a letter to the Ephesians. Also, in the book of Revelation, one of the letters that is written is written to the church at Ephesus. You might remember there are others to, for example, the church in, I believe, Philadelphia. I always thought of Pennsylvania, of course, but um, but a, a different city uh, known to St. John uh, that that letter was addressed. And so uh, Ephesus, really an important center of Christianity, and it would be at the Council of Ephesus in the 400s that Mary would be declared the Mother of God, the Theotokos. So this, this is a very special place in relationship to the Blessed Virgin, but we also see then how a false sect begins to emerge. And it was all by the inspiration and instigation of the evil one, inspiring people to do this, to form this community, and then to really emerge 
the person that they would begin to worship, that they would begin to adore, and so much more. But we see how the devil can get into something like this. At first glance, you might see a community gathering and be like, oh, that's great. But then once you realize what's going on and the details behind it, as we heard, well, then we realize, well, this is subjected to the evil one. So if it takes us away from God, if it mocks religion, so one thing, they found a way to worship, but not to worship God, but to worship the devil. And so if we begin to notice subtle things like this, maybe even today in something that we're involved in, well, then we need to distance ourselves. We need to withdraw ourselves. And we simply need to turn back to our own Catholic faith and to worship the true and living God, to visit the Blessed Sacrament, and to turn to the Blessed Mother. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.